Welcome to the You Glow Nurse Podcast. My name is Fallon Lopez. I was a formerly burnt out nurse, recovering people pleaser, now turned nurse wellness coach and host of this podcast. I empower nurses to take back their health and healing so they can find their voice again and prevent burnout. We are tapping all the way in, creating open spaces for busy, burnt out nurses who are ready to grow and glow into their passion for helping others without jeopardizing their own health and wellness. Ditch the burnout, build healthier habits and resilience instead. Let's get to it, y'all. Hey, friends. So glad you've joined us. You are going to enjoy this next episode. I was able to speak to Cheryl Prince. She is a wealth of information. And we talked more about alcohol and the effects it has in our body. It's actually quite surprising some of the things that we talk about. She lays it out for us in this episode. And we've all been there. After a long day at work, maybe... Patients have been calling you, annoying you, so many demands, family members hovering over you, or maybe you just had a hard day of intense decision makings throughout the day that you as a nurse, you're feeling powerless. The first thing that you want to do when you get off is say, I need a drink. I've been there and participated in a way too many happy hours after those long shifts, way too many. Or maybe you've been here, headed to a new party, lots of new strangers, and you're feeling kind of nervous in a new setting. First thing I'm asking, where's the bar? Where's the drinks? That's where I'm going. These feelings of social anxiety and coping from long shifts were definitely a reason I was headed to the liquor store or out for a girl's night. But when does these stress-relieving hobbies, girl's night out, happy hour, trips to the liquor store once, twice, three times a week? When do they become a habit that we should be worried about? When do they become a hobby that we should ask for help? Why as nurses should we be concerned? How can we overcome and find new outlets that are gonna maintain us, support us, sustain us in nursing life? So Cheryl and I, we get into the AMP. We talk about the real effects alcohol has on your body and new outlets as nurses what can we do differently so i really hope you enjoy this episode with cheryl prince informative straight to the point and a no judgment zone remember we're here to support you in your nursing nurse wellness lifestyle y'all this is a lifestyle so please feel free to reach out after listening to this episode we're here to support you You can reach out to Cheryl or to myself. Feel free to reach us on our social medias. Shoot us a message. No judgment zone. We're here to support you. I really hope you enjoy this podcast. Stay tuned. Tonight, I get the opportunity to speak to a wonderful lady, a good friend of mine. She's become a good friend of mine. Um, We met about last year talking a lot about sugar-free, gut brain health. She's taught me so much, and I'm bringing her back on for another episode. This is episode two with Cheryl Prince. 
She is a holistic nutritionist, wellness advocate. She also says she's a wellness warrior. Y'all, I love speaking to this lady. She is a wealth of knowledge and she's a retired nurse. So she knows her stuff. She is definitely a, an advocate for all things wellness. So please welcome Cheryl to tonight's Wellness Wednesday. How are you, friends? I'm doing very well. Thank you very much, Fallon. Yeah, it's, you know, knowing that we're out there doing and educating people, the most important people, in my opinion, nurses, who are then going to educate more people. I so appreciate you bringing me on again. Yes, we loved having you. You have the same passion, like you said, like when the nurses are, you know, doing the things, are living, walking the walk, talking the talk, we can then reach the multitudes. And yeah, I love it. I love how passionate you are. So Cheryl, you and I, we got together last year. We did an amazing masterclass. For those of y'all who have not checked out my masterclass, it's in the nurse wellness community. That's my private Facebook group. You can go check out that replay. It's on Facebook. Um, the nurse wellness community. Sharon and I did a masterclass on sugar-free. She brought this to my attention. She graces with her knowledge. We talked a lot about gut-brain connection and the effects that sugar has on that, that the gut-brain access. A lot of us go into thinking sugar, going sugar-free or being sugar-free is just about no candies, no cookies, all of the pastries, right, Cheryl? But I want to build from that. There are other sugars or other forms of sugars that start off as maybe innocent, you know, just hobbies that we do on a sometime weekends and things like that, that turn into habits. So I'd love for you to talk more about what are some of those perceived innocent hobbies that turn into habits, maybe that you've seen in your own life or maybe in the work that you've seen in, with others. You know, um, it's a funny one, you know, because we do, you're, you're, you nailed it. We look at candy, we look at pop, we look at sweets and cookies and things like that as our sugars. And those are foods that we tend to be educated on a little bit greater. But one of my passions is the sugar that goes along in alcohol, because that is something that we can have in our body that doesn't show up the same way, but it could be more toxic sugar for us. So, you know, it became kind of my passion that way. But another sugar that people are unaware about is even juice, you know, having excess amount of juice. And um, that's a really hard sugar on the pancreas. So I look at sugars on how they affect other organs, not just the gut brain and, you know, connection there yeah that's really good i'm so glad that you brought that up like we think that it's well we've been talking mainly about gut brain connection but like you said these sugars um alcohol juice we may even go into a little bit of that like what's the difference between 100 percent juice and maybe like which one's better right 100 percent juice isn't that supposed to be better for you what is your take on that? I, okay. I just want to hear a little bit about okay. it. <laughs> My take on it is zero juice. Zero right. juice. And but reason, it's 100% from the fruit. Exactly. If it had all the pulp, the fiber that goes along with it, because otherwise it's a very quick sugar that gets into our bloodstream that bites the pancreas's need to put out more insulin. And that's why it becomes a situation where if you give yourself too much 
juice, even thinking you're doing the healthy one, the pancreas is going into overdrive and then, you know, um, starting to set you up for a condition called hypoglycemia, where you go way up and then drop really quickly. So it's a quick sugar fix, but it's not something that we should be taking in on a regular basis. And it's, you know, especially our young children, we, you know, mm. we think it's there. Water, water is the water is the, the drink of choice during the day or maybe even in the evening. So. so what would you say to somebody that's like, okay, I want to take, get off of saying, you know, they're hearing you remind them, hey, juice is like this, like power shot to our pancreas. What are some ways that maybe you can like kind of wean off, like that have helped or that you've used oh. with your. Okay. So for sure, we watered down our juice and we made it thinner so that there was less sugar in it and it was more water based. And that's how we got our kids into it. And I did go with a concentrated juice. And not a sh um, not a cocktail, so that you know the cocktail is primarily sugar water already, whereas mm. a concentrated juice is the juice of the plant of of the fruit itself. So there's a difference there. And then I watered it down. And then for myself, I would add club soda or tonic water, something with zero calories, and make it almost like a pop, a soda. A, a sparkling drink and use that. And I got into drinking that as a substitute for alcohol as well when I was pregnant in my younger days. Because uh, of the busyness. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, I like to give applicable tips because, you know, when we tell people like, hey, you know, watch this, you know, work on this, what to do. I love to also pair it with what, what applicable tips work for you. So I'm so glad that you brought in, you know, let's water it down. We don't have to go cold turkey. Yes, we know that the, the juice is like a power shot to the pancreas, which we can cause problems. Like you said, the hypoglycemia, you know, that happens after your, your blood sugar spikes so hard or so high. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm really glad that you mixed in there add the sparkling sparkling soda i do that sometimes that's great yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah my mom said that she could always determine i come in canada we have and i hate to say this but there's quite a culture around alcohol usage and that's where i started talking to people about um you know it, when it when it's a habit or when it's a hobby because you know it's very embedded into our lifestyle but my mom used to always say to me i could always tell when you were pregnant because you start you would switch to club soda and orange juice or club soda and cranberry juice when we'd go to a pub and have lunch i was like oh cheryl must be pregnant now <laughs> yeah because i was a good alcohol right so like you know first you would be out in public right like we socialize even here in the u.s that is a socializing thing like whenever you go out it's like, what are we drinking? Let's go out for drinks. How do we, you know, meet up with friends? That's just the norm. And so when somebody doesn't order alcohols, what, what, what's going on with you? Are you pregnant? What's going on? So that's funny that you would bring it up. So yeah, I think I, I, I do. I just want to throw one more thing out there. Yeah. People automatically assume if you're female, you must be pregnant. Or the worst part is you must have a problem with alcohol because otherwise, oh. why wouldn't you drink? Uh there's a lot of reasons why I would want to drink. And that's why I would like to talk to people about this because it's not, I have a problem with alcohol. It just 
changes biochemical reactions within my body that then causes me to have a problem with my health. Yeah, I see what you mean. Like it can be um, looked at or perceived as like somebody having, oh, you're weak. You can't handle your alcohol, you know, that type of um that type of vibe, that type of misconception um, in your circles among friends or family, I, I, I definitely get that. Um, I think, yeah, it's good that we talk about it because as nurses, you know, we get stressed. Um, we work, you know, these high expectation jobs. And so alcohol can be a way that we use we use it as stress relief. And as we're getting into this topic, as we're, you know, speaking about alcohol and things like that. I just want to let it be known. I just want to say this off the top. Like it's a, it's a no judgment zone. This is a free zone. You know, Cheryl and I are discussing these topics because we've been there. We've been there. We've seen the effects and, you know, we, we just want to talk more about it and have an open space. So please drop your comments, your questions in the comments below. Let us know your thoughts. It's an open space. Absolutely. There is zero judgment because it is very much involved in a lot of our cultures. And, you know, I, as a nurse, it would be, I have friends. Hey, let's get together at eight in the morning after our night shift and have a glass of wine or have a beer or have a coffee drink, you know, um, something because we're rewarding ourselves. It was, mm -hmm. it's a reward system. You know, it's, um, it's embedded in our culture to relax with. It's, you know, so there is zero judgment. I loved my glasses of wine. I loved everything. What happened with me to get me to decide to eliminate it is, A, I taught brain health. And I realized how toxic alcohol was to the brain. And, mm -hmm. and you know, I, I brought my book out just so that I wouldn't misquote anybody. But with the brain, it's a fat organ. And so is most of our central nervous system of fatty cellular membranes. And they are made with omega-3 and omega-6 fats. And one of them, um, which is a really solid fat, is DHA. Mm -hmm. And that is more of the structures of the brain, but it's also the structures of hormones. So when you drink alcohol, those fatty acids, which are the brain membranes, get replaced with a poor substitute fat. Instead of DHA, it's called DPH, dacosapenbetonic acid. <laughs> like it's a long word, eh? You just if you, if you did DPA, you could figure it out, you know. But it's like I'm I'm building lesser structures because mm. of the alcohol. And in an, and I was surprised that it wasn't very much that could actually make that. So as a component that we've been educated on as being great for stress, and then we have been educated on saying, have a glass of wine, have a beer, relax, you know, put your feet up, you know. Um, are you really helping yourself relax? Are you really helping yourself relax? Let's get into devolve into that let's stop you know dive into it and then when i started reading this that well if it's a lesser fat that goes to the membrane i'm making my hormones or the brain structure how does that help me deal with stress right whoa like you're what you're saying basically is the thing that we have gone to for our stress relief 
for our coping mechanism. Like I've had a long day. These patients are getting on my nerves. I, you know, like I feel crappy. I'm tired. You know, I need to relax. Let me throw back, a, you know, a glass or two or whatever it is. Your drink of or yeah. or wine or whatever. No judgment. You know, a six pack of beer. I've been there after a shift. Yeah. I get it. You yeah. Know. And then, so we're actually changing the structure of our cellular brain and and even so, some hormonal changes. Right. So every neurotransmitter is made with this, this DHA fat to make it acceptable. But what if we now have the DPA and it's not as great, not as that connection can't happen. So what connections are not happening as well are the sleep hormones are not being made. Um, the cells aren't returning themselves around enough. But the liver is spending a lot of time trying to say, that's not my normal molecule that I recycle. What do I do with this? That is a sugar that does not show up in our fat blood sugar levels right away, that sugar shows up in our triglycerides, our liver fat, our fatty liver. So these are two different organs in ways that this type of sugar affects the body and we need to be aware of it. And awareness helps you get to where you're supposed to be, you know, like yeah. when you know better, you'd like, oh, okay. This is where it's affecting me. Yeah. It's, yeah. Like you said, it's even the sleep uh, cycle, your sleep cycle. So I'd love to talk more about that. You know, a lot of people use alcohol as a way to relax and even, and for my generation, social anxiety, a lot of people, and we could talk about that in a minute as well, you know, going, getting into groups, you think that's a way to, you know, be more, uh, relax or more just for anxiety and then there's a group of people that also use it as a way to sleep and so let's talk a little bit about that is it really true that alcohol helps you sleep or does it just help you sleep fall asleep faster but do you really sleep right i've been reading a little bit yeah i'd okay. love for you to go deeper in it yeah so you're that's exactly right so it's particularly we think about when or or if you go to the traditional chinese clock and the traditional Chinese clock is in the body is the time that certain organs do different things in the middle of the night. So I'm talking nighttime sleep here, particularly where I've studied on it. So alcohol, like you said, helps you fall asleep quite quickly for people. They'll, you know, like, oh, I'll have a shot and then I'll go to sleep or a couple of beer and I just crash right away, you know. But if you find yourself waking up between two and four o'clock in the morning, that's when your liver is saying, oh, I got all this extra sugar I got to deal with right now. It's being really kind of toxic to the brain fat, to the central nervous system fats. I got to deal with this. And how do you know that that's happening? It's because I wake up. I wake up or I start tossing and turning or maybe I start sweating or maybe I start having these symptoms in the middle of the night, you know, that are disrupting my sleep, that that is the cause from the alcohol. So it may help you fall asleep, but it doesn't put you in that restful REM sleep. It doesn't put you in the recovery sleep. It doesn't put the organs where they need to be doing its stuff. 
Yeah, so we don't necessarily give our body time to to recover, to do this regenerative process. In fact, we're making the liver work harder. And you said like that's where the triglyceride level elevates. Can you give us a little bit more about how the alcohol in the liver, the 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 response, the way it reacts to our body? And maybe, yeah, let's start with that. Uh, <laughs> it responds in the way that it has to start bundling up all this excess sugar and get it out of the blood system and out of it. So what it does is it starts gathering up all these all these glycerides these types of sugars specifically with alcohol or higher levels of glucose if we're if we're eating a lot of sugars period you know it's got to do something with it so it starts storing it these triglycerides or these types of sugar start getting stored in fat pockets around and throughout the liver itself so it stores it differently than if you were storing it around your abdomen. It stores it within the liver organ. So then that makes the liver organ less effective. And it can't and when it's doing that, it's not doing the other things that the organ needs to do. And which the liver does, it breaks down your stress hormones so that they can be recirculated. They um, break down the acetylcholine which helps put the memories into your brain. It's, you know, for long-term and short-term memory. This is why sometimes after a night of drinking, maybe it's before you go to bed, you might not remember the last 10 minutes or five minutes. Your brain will go into its own regular routine, getting you to where you're going, and then not utilize that acetylcholine and put it in the right areas of the brain to manage everything. But using it as a stress coping um, mechanism, especially when we think of sleep and what the organs do during sleep time when they don't have to do waking things like, you know, filter blood or, I mean, not filter blood, but I'm thinking the brain where it has to get us to run, it has to get us to do all the kinds of stuff. Um, while they're all sitting there being... Um, not utilized properly. I kind of lost my track there when I, I ran off there. So my apologies. But, no, you're fine. But basically, liver the liver does so much. And when we over uh, pack it with all this sugar, we, we definitely do some harm. Um, right. But we don't realize it right away. It takes some time. So um, how can somebody, going back to the, ha the hobbies, how can yeah. somebody start recognizing, OK, this is a hobby. And now it's turning turning into more of a habit. What are some signs mm. that we can know? You know, um, it is a very subtle sign before your body becomes dependent on it, and it becomes dependent on it to be for a lot of reasons. Because, you know, we talk about how it's not a relaxer for stress, but in the same sense, it mimics and goes into the receptors for those neurotransmitters that help us deal with stress. So it's sort of like, it does work, but it doesn't work after the mm. second You know, you, you, you hear what I'm you saying? You build up our resistance. You build up exactly. like tolerance, tolerance. Yeah, and then the other, the other hormones get lazy. The other organs get lazy. They don't work the way they want to. So it's not, it's very difficult to decide when it's been a hobby to becoming a habit. So what I think 
and this is again my opinion, is if you're looking at your days off and putting in recovery days, you know, like, oh, it's okay. I don't have to do anything tomorrow. I can lie on the couch and just kind of catch up on Netflix with a hangover. Or um, it's okay. I, you know, you start making deals. Like I'll just have a half a bottle of wine or something like that. It'll be okay. And this will be good. But when you start picking off your daytime things and say, do I got the wine? Or when you get home from your shift and you open up a bottle of wine before you start cooking dinner, that's when you realize now, hmm, maybe this is going to the next level. Maybe now, mm -hmm. instead of doing something else first and putting that second, it's now become the first thing I do. So is it yeah. a habit? Yeah, that can be hard to decipher. Like you said, it, it starts off subtle, right? It, it creeps in, it becomes part of, you know, just sometimes on the weekends, then it's like after every shift and, you know, I have to go to the liquor store. I've been there. I definitely know that feeling. I think the thing that made me become, now I still indulge, I still have my glass of wine, you know, on the weekends, um, but I'm definitely not what I used to be going out um, and, uh feeling like alcohol was my way to, with social anxiety. You know, I wanted to be around people, but they made me nervous to be around them. Um, and I felt like I could be a funner person. I could be a more talkative, be a better version of myself when I was under the influence. And so that always made me want to drink more. Mm -hmm. um, but then, like you said, then it was the hangovers. Then it was the, the day after. I didn't like the feeling afterwards. And so when I start thinking about those things, I'm like, okay, this is this is definitely going to stay just a hobby, like a sometiming special occasion, because that that after effect, I that is something that I don't I really truly don't like. And I'd love if you talk a little bit more about like what happens in our body when we have um hangovers and things like that. What is that? Like a sugar, a yeah. sugar low? Or well, our, our body is trying to manage all those alcohol sugars, which are turned. Now I, I could find the word for it. So I'll have to put that up on there later, but there, it becomes a toxic, toxic substance to the brain. It becomes mm. a lethally toxic substance to the blood, like to the organs, it becomes toxic. And that's your hangover. It's robbing us of the, of the oxygen our body needs. Because again, you're not picking up sufficient oxygen when you're in that kind of a slumber. You know, um, it is from perhaps you ate the wrong food the night before. And, um, you know, maybe it is the amount of what you had to drink. Maybe it had other sulfurs in it. Maybe it had other toxic for your body substances that when you've been impaired, exasperate the feeling as well you know mm, that's so, so it, true yeah so maybe you didn't drink enough water and you became dehydrated maybe you had to maybe you peed out more than you did because you were having a couple glasses and i don't know at least when i i drank beer i like i liked a nice cold beer and and didn't think anything of it of our heritage but you go pee after quite a bit after the first beer so you know you're needing to replenish mm. electrolytes so you have an electrolyte imbalance it's, all these components that go along with it. And then, like you said, you get to that stage where it's like, oh, I don't have time for this. And that's why, I mean, 
I hit a certain age and I said, you know, I just really don't have time for that. And I did a 28 day challenge to see, is this a hobby or is this a habit? And that's mm. how I determined it. You know, just like 28 days off my calendar. February is a great month to do it. Four weeks. If I can do it without thinking about it and I can start filling in the gaps, then I'm okay. Wow. So the, that's you know, amazing. So the hangover, 28 days. 28 days. Well, then 28 days went to three months, went to a year, went to two years, went to three years, went to four years, hitting the fifth year. And then something happened. And I went out and had a couple of glasses of tequila, gave myself permission, knew yeah. I had nothing coming up and forthright to do the next day. Forgot. Yeah, I remember a hangover now. I remember the disruption <laughs> of my digestive system. You know, and, and it wasn't a lot to drink. It was just that my body got unused to the alcohol, loved, you know, feeling like energetic every day. And then I got sluggish and my digestive system got sluggish for five days of recovery. Yeah. You don't realize putting something to sleep, you know, like your colon or it's not just you getting, it's not just you getting impaired. It's mm. every it's every organ in your body that's having that same effect so yeah wow that's that's so like the way you wrapped it up just about every cell in your body that's literally how you feel sometimes when you're in a hangover y'all uh, for my birthday I went out it was in January and I was drinking wine all day then I had a couple of glasses of wine at night and I was done I was the next morning I felt it and it literally felt like my whole body was just shutting down. Um, I didn't have anything to do the next day, but it was not a place that I wanted to be. So I've been there. That's why I can talk about this. Um, and it's so interesting to hear how it affects your body, how it's a, a really a toxic substance to your body. Um, and it doesn't take much Cheryl, right? So I was reading that, you know, everybody's different. Um, but it doesn't take much to be just like moderately impaired or to be impaired. So in, in your um, in your advice, what is like minimum, moderate, or maybe too much? So definitely too much if you can't remember what you did, you know, and, <laughs> and again, there is no judgment. There is no judgment in any of this conversation because I did like to have the, you know, glass of wine. It's very embedded in our culture. I had to learn how I wanted to look at, how my body wanted to feel. And that's what I want you to be aware of. Ah, trucks. Sorry, I'm by the freeway. <laughs> no, that's great. Here in Canada, we have a truck thing going on anyway. But, <laughs> but, you know, if you are feeling tipsy, I always say, that's how your cells are feeling. Okay. You're, you know, so if you don't, if you feel a bit relaxed, but you don't feel tipsy, then your cells are not being damaged. It's when you get that tipsy feeling, your body then has to start figuring out where am I going to, how am I going to process this? And the oh, wow. brain will only usually do up until that tipsy point of cleansing it out, self out. And it takes about an hour and a half to try to figure out how to do that. And then it takes another hour and a half to try to figure out how to do the second drink after that. 
and then everybody goes, well, I'm on a party mode and I'm just going to take the night off. And when I say everybody, I mean your liver, your pancreas, your immune system, your heart muscles, your, your leg muscles, every cell in your body decides I'm just going to take a sit back and, and let you figure it out. So you are the only one who knows and you're the only one who needs to have that conversation. But I always like to state, and this is coming from a disclosure statement. If you have been a heavy drinker, and again, no judgment, you'd need to know that coming off of alcohol cold turkey can put you in cardiac arrest. And that is when you know your body is truly dependent. And if you have the shakiness, you need to talk to a family doctor because you know, there are medications that will help you, assist you, so that you don't have a problem. And again, everybody is different. And, you know, let's go. Do we have a minute to talk about the anxiety? Yeah. Pack? You know, yeah, yeah. A, lot of, a lot of us do use anxiety for a social thing. And it has been touted as part of the socialization norm to go out there and look like you're having a great time. Even in my earlier days, I used to say to my friends, do you think we might have a problem with alcohol? And they're like, no, just keep on having fun with us. And I'm like, okay. You know, it was, I was, not that I was peered into it, but it becomes a very much part of our society, right? So yeah. we have to be, you know, like, is it the anxiety? What is causing me anxiety? Is it sugar that I ate the day before? Is it, am I celiac? Is it this? Is it that? Yeah, no, I totally, I get that. Like the social anxiety part that we talked about um, and it just being part of our social norm to go out, have a few drinks, relax um, and look like you're having the best time of your life. It's just like, what are we doing this weekend? Where are we going to get some drinks? And if you do go to an event or anything, do they have a bar? Where, where are you going to find me at? I'm at the bar before I talk to anybody. Kind of like, it almost reminds me of like when we start talking about coffee, you know, I, I can't talk to anybody until I have my coffee. And like you said, it just goes back to, okay, what is my body really telling me right now? Am I dealing with other things that are making me anxious? Am I feeling uncomfortable in, my, in this setting? Am I getting used to being new in this setting or maybe even I'm dealing with some chronic issues, like you said, celiacs, or maybe it was the food that I ate yesterday that is really making me anxious or giving me anxiety. But I think it's great that we start asking those questions when we start picking up these hobbies a little bit more and more. Um, and like you said, it doesn't take much. It, you know, we have to be the judge. No, you're, that's right. You, you nailed it right there because, you know, making yourself comfortable, understanding we, we forget that we're in charge of our bodies and we should know our bodies better than anybody else. And a big part of our body system is the central nervous system. It is the hormones, which are the messengers. The hormones make the neurotransmitters that then determine how we're feeling. So with us coming off a night shift, with us working stressful jobs, nurses have a stressful job. You know, there's a lot goes on in the field and decisions have to be made at the key, like it just at a drop of a hat. And I've gone on 12 hour shifts where it's been stressful. 
it's going to take me days of recovery. So I'm always living in a neurotransmitter or a calming GABA relaxed state deficit. So I need mm. to start filling that boat up. But also what I like to do is, hey, what are they serving that is non-alcoholic at that bar? What kind of drinks can I have? Like, I are you familiar with kombucha? Yes, I love kombucha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, we actually have little kombucha bars in Vancouver where you go down and they have live music and they just have various types of kombucha on tap. Or That's awesome. Yeah, you know, various um, ethnic fermented drinks with no alcohol in them, but just enough to give you that little bit of dopamine high and excitement of going out. So plan some things, you know, make that kind of move towards it. But remember, too, you've got that tonic water or the club soda so that you don't make too, too sweet. Because still, the liver like needs to digest that sugar at nighttime, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad that you brought up the part about as we, we are in charge of our bodies. Um, and we can make those decisions. Um, I think a big part of it, especially for someone that is like, feels maybe disconnected from their body. I don't know if you've heard this, you know, like people are always like my body's against me or I've heard people say this, you know, or you, sometimes you just feel disconnected from your body. You just don't feel like you're yourself. Maybe you're just, you know, like, why am I always so stressed? Why am I always so anxious? Why do I always struggle with this anxiety? You know, so you kind of feel like you're you're battling against your emotions or your will or your body because it won't act right. You know, we are in charge of our body. And the beautiful thing is, you know, if you're feeling disconnected, it's time to rebuild that relationship again. How can we rebuild that relationship with our body, with our mind again, so that we feel confident, so that we feel that trust, that safety? And it, it takes consistency. It just takes it takes repetition. The things that you're doing daily, the things that you're saying to yourself daily, how you're treating yourself and having the positive outlets, having other substitutes, like you were saying, the kombucha bars and having the club sodas and getting creative. You don't always have to just go with the with the tide, you know, let's all go to happy hour, you know, like, you know, yeah. try something different sometimes. Yeah, you know, there's, there's a virtual playgrounds, you know, um, when I quit, I used to smoke too, because that was the way to get your coffee breaks for sure. Oh, I got to go out and have a cigarette because everybody wants to up the door, you know. But, you know, I'd be like, okay, where am I going to put that money instead of where I put it there? So when I did quit alcohol, um, and it was that once a week or twice a week only where I would have some drinks. So, but within one year, I bought myself an e-bike within actually no time at all in the money. I Saving saved. that money. Saving that is that so good. If that don't convince you, like, hey, maybe I can put this money into something better. Just like with going out to eat a lot. Like, yeah. Sometimes people, you know, we get, you know, like, hey, you get your paycheck and it's gone before you know it. And you're looking at your paycheck. You're looking at your statements. You, where do I spend my money? Oh, at all these fast food places. That was me. Definitely. So. Yeah. yeah so, but I mean, I, we've been there, right? You know, so like, because again, um, it's a reward system. The alcohol is a reward system. So how do you reward yourself? You know, so I went to figure I, concert tickets. I'm a science and I, I'm going to go to the city and have 
coffee with a friend, you know, take the ferry over, spend a day doing something. Maybe I'm going to go to a spa instead. Maybe I'm going to reward myself on a date night. But, you know, another thing that people are not quite aware of is that if you're going through menopause or if you're changing through the life, that will give you night sweats. That will increase your symptoms, alcohol, tenfold. Like you could almost, I could almost look at my coworkers and say, I did you have a couple glasses of wine last night when they were hot flushing through their shift because they're still having to deal with the triglycerides, the sugars sometime in their shift. Oh, wow. And so wow. you would see it and they're like, yeah, I could almost, I'm a, I love to watch people. So, you know, it's like, this is what I noticed. This is what I noticed. And why did I notice it? Because I noticed it in myself as well. Mm -hmm. So then I could notice it with other people. And yeah. that's why I love educating nurses. Because when we start noticing how our bodies work correctly, we can help others recognize it, you know? That's so true. But first it starts with us. First it takes that step back like okay what am i you know what 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 do i have going on and you know we want to help others that's our passion we want to give to others and we want to help others live healthier happier lives that's what we got into nursing for that's but right. with the lifestyle with with the nursing life with the high stress levels you know we be, we begin to develop habits and things um ways of living that may no longer serve us in this high stress level uh lifestyle but i'm glad you brought up that menopause fact because we did bring up you know alcohol as being kind of like a depressant already we kind of brought that up um and then it also affects your hormone production as well if you want to really quick just maybe go back over that just a little bit more um and how it, it is a depressant and how it does affect the hormones? The endocrine system is very, very complex, and yet it's very simple. And the reason it's simple is it's all intertwined. And as we age, we tend to produce less substances that make less hormones that then, like progesterone and GABA, and then when you add the alcohol, that has already slowed down the central nervous system and going back to DPA, which is the wrong fat, they're not as able to do their job. We're carrying yeah. more sugar. We're carrying more, more, more load on our livers because already, oh my gosh, we got, maybe we're estrogen dominant and you know, you would know if you're estrogen dominant in the fact that maybe you're bigger breasted, but as you go through menopause, all of these hormones get recycled through the liver every day. Mm -hmm. Not just during menopause, but more so. And then it has to deal with, what am I gonna do with these hormones? And that's when the liver starts waking you up. And then you haven't dealt with the sugars because your pancreas is producing less insulin. And then you're under more stress because you're dealing with having to put out different types of sugars and then you got these toxic substances and your body's just going i don't know what to do anymore and i'm going through the change and i'm already going through natural symptoms and then you add stress and stress is used stress hormones use our progesterone and they use testosterone okay mm. we're already deficit 
a progesterone going through menopause, but we're also a deficit of testosterone and we have more estrogen. So again, there's that out of balance of everything. And when you add a toxic substance, it can further damage those hormones that we need to sacredly hold on to, you know, yeah. get through. Like, I mean, I went through, because I decided to abstain from alcohol at that time when I went through menopause, I went through with zero symptoms, mm. you know. Wow. Which is highly unusual. Yes, yes. Um, definitely, we want to hear more about that for sure. So what I hear you saying, <laughs> yes, we're going to save it for sure. That, But many people may want to contact you and things like that. But before we go on, just really quickly, that hormone, that whole uh, neurotransmitter, the blocking, basically alcohol is being, it's creating those sugars or those fatty acids that aren't really adequate. And they block a lot of the neurotransmitters that signal the hormones that we need. So it's just like this whole intertwining system that you said. And basically alcohol does more than get you tipsy, y'all. It affects your brain, it affects your organs, it's a sugar and, you know, it's something that we should talk about, you know, especially if you're struggling with it or feel like you're struggling with it. If you've heard some of the things that we're talking about, maybe it resonates with you. Cheryl, how can people that want to work with you or maybe hear more about how you're helping people wean off of alcohol and maybe choose other habits? How can we start to find out more? Look for me at Growing Tree Wellness. And we are starting to embrace gardening and kids and going from the bottom up all the way to the top so that we can live our best lives, you know, and get us to that point and not there. Um, I'm always willing, I'm happy to do a 15 minute consult for free to just sit there and talk. And again, there is zero judgment because, you know, everybody has, I'm almost sure everybody I know has gone through this topic it is embedded in our society and it just changes everybody's lives. So Cheryl M. Prince at hotmail.com or growingtreewellness.com. Thank you so much, Cheryl. Like there has to be a part three. I definitely want to hear more about your menopause journey. You know, I we need to have these conversations. We start, like you said, from from young all the way to older. Like we need to, you know, talk about these topics because a lot of us aren't, um, you know, used to having these open conversations. Mm -hmm. And when you start, you know, getting away from those old habits that you've had, you know, maybe you are starting to get away from that world of what you used to be. Now you get to open yourself up to different resources, different people that are out here living different lives and thriving. And it's always a pleasure to hear from somebody that has done that and that is doing that and that is helping others do the same. So I just want to say thank you for coming on and we're definitely going to have you on again. Thank you very much. Thanks. Bye. Y'all, what an amazing time with Cheryl. She is such a wealth of knowledge. She is just always so giving and, you know, she's so passionate about sugar-free. So if you heard anything tonight that resonates with you and you want to learn more about sugar-free, gut health, going plant-based, I'm your girl, especially for my nurses. I definitely want to give us more tools, more resources. So definitely connect with me, connect with Cheryl. If you have more 
questions, please connect with me on my Facebook page, The Nurse Wellness Community, for more tips, more insights in my live community. We're going worldwide with this message of healthier, wealthier nurses for for our future, y'all. We deserve to be put first. Our health deserves to be put first. And I want to give you the tools. I want to give you the resources. I'm so excited to have you on. And I want to just thank you all for sharing your Wellness Wednesday with us. And I will see you next time. Bye, y'all.